Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm sure that all of you are aware that we are in a time like no other time, and that is the name of this podcast, and for a very good reason. It's titled A Time Like No Other Time, Walking on the Edge of the Precipice, Living on the Edge of Eternity. And this is an urgent prophetic exhortation that I feel the Lord would have me share. It seems that with such prolific access to web blogs and articles, many prophetic voices who are attempting to communicate spiritual metaphors and insights received from the heart of God to be shared and hopefully soften the hearts of mankind have perhaps been reduced to quick sound bites and what I would term scripture bites. It's absolutely essential in these twisted and upside-down days not to look for a quick fix for the turmoil and hard things that we are facing. What does the Holy Spirit want to communicate to us about walking on the edge of the precipice and living on the edge of eternity? As I have searched this out, knowing that the Lord was communicating something to me regarding these two statements, clear words of instruction, their potential, and warnings have begun to emerge. I share them from a trembling heart and an alert spirit. And so first, walking on the edge of a precipice. The word precipice is a noun. It means a very steep rock face or cliff, and it's typically a tall one. Figuratively, in a statement, it would be as if the country is teetering on the precipice of political anarchy. The origin of the word comes from the late 16th century, indicating a headlong fall, and in the Latin it means abrupt descent. This word in a nutshell expresses an anguishing anticipation of what could be a devastating and shocking out-of-control spin into oblivion, tumbling headlong into an unknown space fully out of control, not knowing when the descent will end, and if anything will remain once it hits the pull of gravity. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, off of a precipice. And secondly now, living on the edge of eternity. Because we live on the edge of eternity, we must not lose our heads. We must get our heads on straight and think in harmony with divine revelation. We must not be oblivious to the times that we are living in, nor should we be frightened and act out in panic. Our clear-headedness makes us able to pray as we should, seeking divine wisdom, guidance, and the power to live faithfully in difficult times. Jesus told his disciples things would go from bad to worse, as the end of all things approaches. There will be social and political upheaval and natural disasters. There will be an intensification of opposition towards Christians, so that fellow Christians begin to turn on each other and family members betray one another. Mark 13:12 through 13 says this, Brother will hand over brother to death, and a father will hand over his child. Children will rebel against their parents, and kill them. Is this euthanasia? In such times of danger, love will fade and people will abandon the self-sacrifice of love for the sake of self-preservation. The Lord spoke to me about something uh, a while back 
shaken and stirred. The Holy Spirit impressed me some time back with that statement. Shaken and stirred. Now my mind said, you mean shaken, not stirred. Again, a little while later, the same statement was impressed into my spirit one more time. Shaken and stirred. As I thought about this, I began to realize that the Holy Spirit wanted to show me a prophetic insight, combined with the Word of God, regarding what His role in working within the hearts of believers looks like at this juncture in time. We have heard much about the slumbering, sleepy bride, a somewhat overgrown, youthful, well-fed bride. Oh, how she loves the candlelight, the romantic spirituality that feeds the soul and emotional longings of one yet to experience the commitment to a marriage. Everything has the beauty and sparkle of a fairyland or Disney type of fantasy and fireworks. Surrounding this young maiden are gifts and beautiful, tangible items, reminding her of this youthful celebration of a pledge, the pledge to honor the one she loves. The gifts that have been given come from those who know that these will be needed to assist them in their life of growing together towards becoming one heart, one flesh, a single expression of their own family unit. There are similar parallels to be fearlessly looked at regarding where and how the corporate bride of Christ has behaved on many levels. There has been a new term or word phrase created to address what would often be called a petulant, whiny, overindulged young woman who is in preparation for the big blowout wedding day event. The name for this is Bridezilla. The basic picture is until she gets what she wants, the way she wants it, when she wants it. Anything or anyone in her way gets demolished if it does not satisfy her need to be fully noticed, in control, and lavishly celebrated in all of her self-planned and applied concepts as to what a wedding should look like. The problem is, in real life, the wedding and festivities are only a brief glimpse of what an actual joining of two in marriage looks like for the long haul. And so when the party is over and the hard work begins, and yes, it's hard work, the little rifts and storm clouds come to buffet and shape the couple into maturity. If the bride does not want to mature and desires to be treated like a young princess, much like the central character in a children's story called The Princess and the Pea, then no matter how others attempt to sweet talk or to ease her discomfort, Eventually, she becomes demanding and unsatisfied, regardless of what is offered to her. And so the current state for many who make up the Bride of Christ, in its majority, is one of a moody, discomforted, and unfulfilled mate, waiting for her bridegroom to do for her the things that she would rather not do for herself, and wants the bridegroom to bring her the comforts that she needs without having to labor herself. There are those who have paid an overwhelming and costly price to shake off slumber and self-indulgence and stepped out as pathfinders. They are boldly declaring a warning about remaining a child and not maturing to the fullness of God's plan. They have warned over and over of the things that we are now seeing happen. Imagine the shock, the total disbelief of the five virgins in Matthew 25 who slumbered and gambled with their futures so flippantly 
when in their drowsy and moody state missed the sound that the bridegroom announced, calling them to come, to travel the road now well lit, to a prepared place. They were shaken, shaken to the core, and in total disbelief that things had changed and had been shaken in their drowsy existence so quickly. They were warned to be ready, but figured, just as always, that they would somehow be able to manipulate their surroundings and discomforts and find a way to get their way. And so has it been with the body of Christ the past few years, even though the voice of the Beloved has warned and shouted out. He has sent prophetic voice after prophetic voice, teacher after teacher, evangelist after evangelist, with a reoccurring message. You prepare the way. You make the crooked way straight. Build up a pathway that you may walk upon to a holy place. And it will be said, build up, build up and prepare the road. Remove the obstacles out of the way of my people. Isaiah 57:14. And yet, the bride in many ways has gone on her merry way, expecting to be rescued from her slumber and folly. Walking on the edge of the precipice and living on the edge of eternity. Because of God's mercy, the bride will continue to be shaken, shaken and shaken again, until she awakens from her slumber and admits to selfish ambition. She will be challenged to become the mature heart who walks with her beloved as her leader and Lord, not just simply as a provider of pleasures, fleshly sustenance and entertainment. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he is promised once more, I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. That is Hebrews 12, 25-27. The words once more indicates the removing of what can be shaken meaning created things, so that what can't be shaken will remain. And what about that line, and stirred? When someone is shaken awake from a deep sleep, the adrenaline begins to pump throughout the body and there is a keen and heightened alertness that begins to stir the senses. In 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 8, it says, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of being a prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Deeper and deeper still, says the voice of the Spirit. It's no secret that the mainstream media has had a heyday with high-profile personalities who have made claims to be devout Christians and then find them caught in acts of extortion, embezzlement, infidelity, tax evasion, plagiarism, and justification of personal indulgence at the expense of trusting donors. Deeper and deeper still will the exposing and dissecting sword of the Word of God separate what is of the flesh, claiming to be God, and what is of the Spirit that is of God. The folly and arrogance of those who minister with an elitist message will be brought to such public humiliation that even the hardest atheistic hearts will cringe at the ruthless mocking they will face. 
as the Lord continues to shake out and stir up the dross in the life of each believer, there will be a corresponding stirring again to deep repentance. Believers will come out of their groggy existence and begin to allow the deep purging and removal of willful perceptions about whom God has blessed and whom God might use for His glory and for His purposes. We are in a time like no other time, a time like no other before. There is a setting forth of a new and fresh openness to God's supreme directions. There is a shaking off of youthful folly and petty scrapping over who imparts the greatest message or anointing. Instead of well-planned-out speaking rosters for heavily and slickly advertised conference invitations, there will continue to be a spontaneous and divinely orchestrated groups of gatherings throughout all nations. It has already begun in several unannounced assemblies of like-minded hearts. It is being lit and ignited by the very hand of a sovereign and brilliantly strategic God. Gatherings large and small in halls, homes, and barns have become a focus of God's heart. He indeed has an agenda. It is to call the bride, his beloved, the one he lavishly spent all of his life's blood upon, to rise up from her slumber and be shaken and stirred, to see that he is beckoning her deeper and yet deeper still, to enter into a place of profound grace, mercy, and safety, as the cry of repentance from dead works and foolish masterminding of plans and programs that only led the bride into morbid obesity, is stirred in the hearts of those ailing and sickened by the results of such overindulgence, deeper and deeper still will the Spirit of God draw His people into a communion of body, spirit, and soul with His plan and purpose. Those that will wait in the presence of the Lord in their gatherings, in their brokenness, in their humility, will begin to experience a hush of holiness falling upon their gatherings. The hovering presence of the pleasure of God will invade and flood the hearts of those who have come simply to fellowship in the power of His Word and the beauty of His holiness. But this cannot be a forced agenda or trend. This is not to be confused with what has been termed the anointing or the Holy Spirit falling upon God's people. Not a whisper, not a sound, not a song, nor a shout will be needed to attract this majestic treasure. Coming soon, the weight of His glory. I have been in meetings where believers who chose to enter into repentance and allowed the dross work of God to have full access to every corner of their souls, where without warning or fanfare, the weight of God's glory invaded the room, the conference, and the meeting halls. It was as if a drenching, tangible mass of warmth and comfort wrapped itself around every human being present. It mattered not whether they were youthful or stooped over in the aging of their bodies. The weight of the very glory and magnificence of the Supreme Being, the Sovereign One, was unmistakable. Beautiful stillness and sweetness flowed into and out of every soul present. All who were sitting or standing in this weight of glory did not need anyone to tell them the phenomenon that surpassed any of man's orchestrations was happening. It didn't last five minutes, 10 minutes, 
or 15 minutes. It came in waves and beckoned with the fragrance of mercy that only the still small voice can infuse a room with. It seemed that the more willing the hearts of those in these gatherings who would simply sit in the weight of his glorious silence, the greater and deeper the peace became. And then again, the sweet song of the Lord would begin to sing out over the people, and the people would begin to sing out the sweet song of repentance and devotion back unto the Lord. It surpassed ethnic and cultural backgrounds, national or international expressions, and human languages. Deeper and yet deeper still, His presence, His glory, His weightiness would hover. In one such meeting, the waiting in His glory, in His presence, waiting upon Him, lasted for 45 minutes, and no one wanted to leave, and no one had any agenda. Be still, the Lord said. Be still and know that I am God. Heart-wrenching repentance is coming. It's a season of refreshing. Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. There have been voices in the body of Christ crying out that she must repent for her sluggishness, smugness, and presumption. These voices will be amplified and multiplied throughout this up-and-coming year and beyond. There will be required by the Lord a setting apart in the heart of every believer. Deeper and deeper still will the call to shake off slumber, to once and for all lay down the sins and arrogance that easily traps and ensnares the life of the bride. The greater the surrender, the greater the increase of His glory. As each member of the body of Christ willingly steps into the full scan of the Holy Spirit's convicting radiance, a fresh awakening of the empowering courage and strength of Christ as the glorious bridegroom will be brought to the forefront. He will be the central focus and no longer will the bride lag behind in adolescent drudgery and laziness. Wave upon wave of adoration will be lifted up as a love sacrifice to the beloved one. And the weight of his glory will shake and rock religious agendas and nations until they crumble and strip off the need for the noise and glitter that has cluttered and stifled the rightful honor due unto the King of glory. When with deliberate consideration the weight of God's glory is given full access to flow as it begins to invade and permeate, be prepared for unbelievers who may be simply walking by a home gathering, a fellowship service, or a conference, to be drawn into your gatherings as if wooed or summoned by a fragrance or sound that they had move on them to go and seek out where it was coming from. The Lord shall draw them and show them of His might, His presence, and you shall lead them to Him, and they shall find salvation. This is the last insight and warning. Many are indeed walking on the edge of the precipice and are living on the edge of eternity, not knowing where to turn or what to do, and will fall headlong into further disaster if they do not awaken from the hardness of heart, distractions, and spiritual presumption that have become companions and corrupt habits. Today, you have heard his heart. You have heard his voice. Harden not your heart, and instead, quickly heed his voice. Allow the shaking. Willingly permit any condescension, elitism, control, 
manipulation, cowardly blame shifting, hateful speech, competition, anger, mocking, and vengeful and revengeful thoughts to be once and for all purged out of your soul. Your very spiritual life depends on what you do when you're on the edge of a precipice. You can jump headlong into recklessness or fall into the hands of the living, breathing God. Hebrews 3.12 says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away headlong off of a precipice from the living God. The end is at hand for each and every generation every single day. And their response to the gospel in this life determines their eternal fate. Each generation is living on the edge of eternity, and there will always be an urgency to respond to the gospel. For your response to the gospel determines your eternal destiny. I bless you all now in Jesus' name, and I thank you for listening today. If you'd like to go to my website at www.marylindo.com, there are free resources there and links for you to go to, to listen to different teachings, different ministries. I bless you today, and I look forward to speaking with you again. And again, I encourage you to be on your face, praising and praying and crying out to God for this world, that we might see the glory of the Lord rise among his people and that many would come to know Jesus. Goodbye for now.